0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sanctuary Worship. It is so good to have you here this morning with us virtually. I just want to remind you today of all the ways that you can get to uh, First Prez's offerings online right now. You can like our church's Facebook page, where you will find daily devotionals, where you may very well be watching this service right now, and you can find other content. Much of the content that is there can also be found on our podcast, the One Prez Pod. In addition, this worship service is available on YouTube, and we have other content for you on the church's website. So there is a plethora of virtual First Presbyterian Church options available to you. With that in mind, let's prepare our hearts for the worship of Almighty God.
1: As we begin worship this morning, listen to these words from Revelation 22. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. And let everyone who hears say, come. And let everyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift, come. Let us pray. O Lord, we pray that you would pour your Holy Spirit upon us, As we gather to worship this day, remove any impediment from our minds which prevents our focus or distracts us from your purposes. Gather us under your wings and guide us with your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we confess to God not out of any dread or fear, but out of trust that God is faithful to forgive. So now let us rid ourselves of what we can no longer carry. Let us pray together. The prayer is printed on your screen. Holy God, on this day we confess our sins to you once more. We confess we have participated in the exploitation of others. We confess we have failed to consider our neighbor. We confess we have not made Jesus the center of our lives. Hear now we pray these silent confessions. We offer all these prayers in the sure and certain hope of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I declare to you the good news of Jesus, that Jesus did not come into this world to condemn it. Jesus came into this world to save it. He was sent here for sinners like you and like me. Know that it is his power and grace in your life that forgives you of your sin and calls you to new life. Amen. Let us sing to God's glory.
0: Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I begin with the sermon today, just a couple of caveats to give you. We will receive two scripture readings this morning the first from Romans and the second from Acts. But also, I will be reading to you a short passage from a book during the sermon the passages greater context is available to you in the form of a pdf on the church's website there's a link to that pdf on the church's facebook page if you are a visual person such as myself and you'd like to follow along i would encourage you to pull up that pdf now so that you'll have it handy here in a few minutes alternatively if you simply want to read a little bit more context for the story that i read to you in a few minutes I would invite you to check out that pdf as well so with that in mind let's listen to god's word to us first from romans chapter 5. therefore since we are justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of god and not only that But we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now Acts chapter 8 verses 18 through 22. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of God. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain God's gift with money. You have no share or part in this, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord, that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus out into the wilderness for 40 days of temptation and fasting. it was the Holy Spirit that made itself present among the very first apostles with tongues of fire on Pentecost Sunday. It was the Holy Spirit Paul tells us that poured the love of God into his heart that he may have hope in times of great suffering. It was the Holy Spirit that that led the disciples Peter and John into Samaria, where we found them today in Acts? It is the Holy Spirit that moves and floats in and out of the story of God's people throughout Scripture. It is the Spirit who is present and then seemingly absent, who waxes and wanes, who moves in the most mysterious of ways. It is the Holy Spirit that we find consistently in ways peculiar but powerful throughout Scripture. This is what makes the Holy Spirit so difficult for us to get our hands around as a doctrine. If you recall that we are working through some of the key core doctrines of the Christian faith this summer, and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is surely one of those, but it is so difficult for us to put into words, to explain, to define exactly what the Holy Spirit is. When we think about the triune God, when we think about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we feel like we have a pretty good handle on the Father and on the Son. But when it comes to the Spirit, it's like trying to nail down a wet noodle. It's just very difficult for us to get our heads or our hearts or our hands around what it is God's Spirit does and how it works in this world, and what role it plays within the Trinity. And so that's why I wanted to read the passage from Acts that I read to you. The passage is about a man named Simon. Simon was a Samaritan. If you don't remember this, Samaritans were not particularly well-liked by the Jewish people in those days. Yet they claimed to worship the same God as the Jews. So they were not popular. This is why the story of the Good Samaritan was such a powerful image that Jesus used. So Simon is a Samaritan, and he's also a magician. Simon made his living through acts of magic and power, and he would go around performing these acts. But he heard the preaching of the Apostle Philip, and he converted to Christianity, or the way, as it was called, and Philip even baptized him. Such was the success Philip had in Samaria that Peter and John showed up, and they began performing great acts of power through the Holy Spirit, something that the people had not yet seen. And so when Simon saw these acts, what did he think? Well, he thought, I should get some of that Holy Spirit, and he offered to buy it. Now, I hope we know at this point that the Holy Spirit is not up for sale, but perhaps we don't. I feel like many of us in that circumstance might feel like the same way as Simon. Can I buy some of that? But we can't. We can't buy the Holy Spirit because it's free. Now, by free, do I mean that it doesn't cost any money? Yes, I do mean that. But by free, what I really mean, what I really mean when I say free is that it does what it wants. Buying the Holy Spirit is not something that you can do because the Holy Spirit does not work for us for money. We don't control it. We don't tell it what to do. We don't give it commands. We don't boss it around. We don't put it in a cage and release it according to our whims. The Holy Spirit is the very manifestation in this world and in the lives of those who have worshiped and followed God through all the centuries, it is the very manifestation of God's freedom. God does what God wants, when God wants to do it, and we experience this most directly as we experience the Holy Spirit. But that's another thing. What's it even mean to experience the Holy Spirit? Well, I think... Throughout the story of Christianity, experiencing the Holy Spirit has been relatively, relatively traumatic. It has been a big thing. And I want to share with you a story about what I think was an experience with the Holy Spirit from the author Dennis Covington. Covington today is a professor of creative writing at Texas Tech, and his writing is quite good. Uh, His most famous book is a book called Salvation on Sand Mountain. He wrote it in 1995. It was a finalist in the National Book Award, and it is a brilliant book. Covington, at the time, was a young writer, and he had heard about a snake-handling preacher who had tried to kill his wife with a timber rattlesnake. So Covington, being an interested guy, pitched the idea of doing a story on this preacher to his editors back east. They loved the idea, so off Covington went to the very fringes of Appalachia and immersed himself in snake-handling churches. The book that came from those experiences doesn't really talk much about the pastor who tried to kill his wife, but it does talk an awful lot about the Christian faith, particularly as it's preached and experienced in those churches and how the ways in which it is preached is very particular to that place in the world. Covington went to a lot of worship services and in one service he actually picked up a snake and that's what I'm going to read to you now. So listen as I read Denisa Covington's words to you. This was the moment I didn't stop to think about it, I just gave in. I stepped forward and took the snake with both hands. I turned to face the congregation and lifted the rattlesnake up toward the light. It was nothing like it wanted. It was moving like it wanted to get up even higher to climb out of the church and into the air. And it was exactly as the handlers had told me. I felt no fear. The snake seemed to be an extension of myself. And suddenly there seemed to be nothing in the room but me and the snake everything else had disappeared carl the congregation jim all gone all faded to white and i could not hear the ear-splitting music the air was silent and still and filled with that strong even light and i realized that i too was fading into the white i was losing myself by degrees like the incredible shrinking man The snake would be the last to go, and all I could see was the way its scales shimmered one last time in the light, and the way its head moved from side to side, searching for a way out. I knew then why the handlers took up serpents. There is power in the act of disappearing. There is victory in the loss of self. It must be close to our conception of paradise what it's like before you're born and after you die." I remember first hearing this passage from Covington at a literature festival in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He read it to the group. Later, when I read the book, I read it within the context of the greater story, and both times it struck me. Obviously, Handling snakes is not something that I think is necessary for any Christian to do. I don't think it's particularly doctrinally sound. But having heard him read it, and having read this passage numerous times, it certainly sounds to me like there was some sort of encounter that he had with the Holy Spirit in that moment. Now, the last thing I am doing is commending us to go out and find snakes and start picking them up. But what I am inviting us to do is to make sure that our conception of what the Holy Spirit does and is in our lives and in this world is as broad and free as possible. Throughout the history of the Christian church, followers of Jesus have been having mystical experiences, things that have happened that were difficult to understand hard to explain, challenging to nail down. I think of the life of Julian of Norwich, a young British woman, English at that time, back in the Middle Ages, who had a mystical experience on her deathbed and who spent the rest of her days in a hut that she had leaned against the Norwich Cathedral. I think of Francis of Assisi, who our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters call a saint, who was a nobleman, and had a mystical experience himself, and then spent the rest of his life divesting himself of possessions and ministering to the poor. I think of John Calvin, the founder of our own Presbyterian tradition, who was a devout Roman Catholic living in France before he had some sort of experience that he never wrote about and never told anyone else to, but who, which led him to suddenly change every single thing he believed in his life and to spend most of the remainder of his life in exile in Switzerland. And I'm speaking of Dennis Covington, who had no particular strong faith to begin with, but who for one day and in one moment described a mystical experience as he was worshiping and holding a rattlesnake. These things on their surface all sound absurd. They upset the apple cart of what we think it means to be a decent and orderly Christian. And yet, as we listen to these experiences that have accumulated over the centuries, and we return to Scripture to look at the work of the Spirit in the lives of people, we see one thing consistently happening. That as the Spirit weaves and works in the lives of believers, it draws us away from ourselves and towards the divine and the mystical all of the people we have spoken about all of the people we have talked talked about this morning they have not made choices when moved by the spirit which were self-serving they're the opposite of that do you really believe that Jesus wanted to go spend 40 days in the wilderness fasting and being tempted Do we believe that the sales pitch to Paul to get him to convert to Christianity was that he would be beaten, stoned, and imprisoned? Do we think that the apostles, as fire was raging over their heads, felt safe and secure? Do we think that John and Peter wanted to go do work amongst the Samaritans? The Spirit is the manifestation of God's freedom. And the way that freedom manifests itself most powerfully in the life of a believer is with the divestment of our own sense of control. I've preached numerous sermons about control, but if there is anything we see in these stories about the Holy Spirit, from Dennis Covington all the way back to Scripture, It is this, it is the release of control and the embrace of the freedom to which God invites us, a freedom which is often contrary to what we would believe to be best for ourselves. I wrote three sermons this week, and I threw out the other two, and I kept this one. I have no idea if that was a good idea or not, but that's what happened. But as I tried to capture the Holy Spirit in doctrine, as I tried to conjure words which I felt would explain what it is and how it moved, I have to admit I felt no more faithful than Simon was when he tried to buy it. To buy the Holy Spirit, to hang... A doctrinal cage around it. These are efforts to control something that is not meant to be controlled, to confine something which cannot be confined. The Spirit is the very manifestation of God's freedom. And it invites us into an experience which we cannot conjure on our own, but when presented to us, asks us to simply release control. Release the self. Covington described himself as the incredible shrinking man. He felt as if he were about to disappear, and then he compared it to paradise. Paul says that the Holy Spirit pours the love of God in Christ Jesus out into the life of believers. And that pouring out of love is what gave him hope. Hope in the midst of the beatings and the stonings and the imprisonment. That love, that hope, is given to us freely because God chooses to give it to us. And the spirit which bears it into our lives and into The body of Christ in each age does so of its own freedom and its own choice. For us, as followers of Jesus, we simply acknowledge a truth. The Spirit is free. And when we release control of it, we experience the love of God anew. Amen.
1: Let us pray for the world and for one another. Please join me. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn that brings the glory of our risen Lord, who makes everything new each day. Especially we thank you for the beauty of your creation around us. And we thank you for the new creation that the Holy Spirit works in our own lives. We thank you for the Spirit's gifts of healing and forgiveness, for sustaining love that we find working through family and friends. We thank you for the fellowship of faith that we find in the church, no matter where she exists. Together and apart, we thank you that the Spirit binds us together. We also come to you, O God of might and mercy, for there is much that is weary in our world today. We pray for your renewal, for your healing. We pray for all of your hurting children, that you would Bring about your peace, especially this day we pray for those who govern, for all who are in power in our nation, in our state, and for those who are in power in countries around this world. Lord, give them wisdom, give them understanding. Lord, we pray for people around this world today who suffer under COVID-19, who suffer under economic collapse, who suffer under the movement of refugees with hunger and violence. Lord, we pray for your world this day. We also pray for our neighbors, for those we know struggle today, for those who need your healing touch. Lord, you know their names, you know their situations, and we offer their names and particular situations to you now, hear our prayer. Eternal God, you are our beginning and our end. Join us in this day's journey, we pray. Use our hands to do your work. Use our lives to bring others the new life you give. It is in Jesus' name that we pray all things, and it is in Jesus' name that we pray the prayer he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As we come to the time of offering in our worship of God, it is my prayer that you would use this time uh, to receive God's blessings and to offer again your own life to Him as we enjoy this offering of musical gifts.
0: Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for the many gifts and blessings you have bestowed upon us, and we return these humble tithes and offerings to you, that they may be used for your glory throughout this world. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, my brothers and sisters, may the grace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storms, may he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once more into these doors. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you.